Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! An airplane or aeroplane is a fixed-wing aircraft that is propelled forward by thrust from a jet engine, propeller, or rocket engine. Hello, and welcome to Little Marty, the only podcast on the internet dedicated to covering the works of Adam Sandler and Martin Scorsese. My name is Eric Halloween. And my name is Jeremy the Butcher. Jeremy, the rumors are true. The uh, the movie, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, did put me in the hospital. <laughs> we had to take a, a brief hiatus because of the trauma we endured watching, uh, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Is yeah. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, you know, we, we had to do some soul searching. I appreciate, I know, I know that there's some, you know, some fans out there that, yeah. Uh, uh, I just want to assure everyone that that I'm doing okay. Appreciate the support. Hmm. Uh, sorry for the uh, sort of impromptu month off that we just took. Hmm. Uh, we had some stuff going on, but we're but everything's good. I'm happy. You know what, Jeremy? I've never been happier to be back doing a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's I, and that's great news. You know, that's that's uh, that's good to hear. I am still sort of shaken up by I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry and uh, been kind of, <laughs> you know, staying indoors and, you know, uh, putting a blanket just kind of over my head and sort of crying into my into my pillow a lot. Um, just sort of thinking about what it was like to have to kind of watch that movie. And um, uh, But you know what? I, I'm, gl- I'm glad to be here with you as well, Eric. You know, I missed you, pal. We all did. The listeners of this show, I, you know, we missed you. And uh, we, you know, very excited to uh, to to get another episode um, under our belts. Hopefully, one that'll uh, uh, I can just I can tell you it, it's this one's not called. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. So I'm uh, I'm all it's already in a uh, I'm already in a better mood. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's all uphill. It's all all uphill from here. You know, uh, Jeremy. We do this podcast right where we're talking about i don't know martin martin score sandler and adam Swayze. what are those guys names <laughs> yeah it's patrick Swayze and adam norton <laughs> <laughs> but we uh you know yeah i don't really care to be honest with you because really i'm here to i'm i'm really here to uh to record the podcast that we record immediately after the free feed podcast this is the the real the the real show, okay? This is the show that we uh, we we really put our hearts, our souls, and our butts into. Uh, it's 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 a little podcast that we do where we cover. Well, I guess right now we're covering the works of uh, the Coen Brothers, and we're I want to say maybe like a third of the way through their filmography at this point. I w- yeah, uh, it's weird to think about us being a third of the way through because the one we're covering for the the Patreon this this week is Oh Brother Where Art Thou, which to me still kind of feels like a modern film, but 
damn, it's it is it is over twenty years old at this point. Wow. Um. Yeah. So we 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 have this. Uh. We have we have a Patreon podcast where we cover. Uh. We pretty much cover stuff that you tell us to. In a way, we have a tier on there where you can basically get us to record an episode on any movie or TV show you want us to. Um, we have a huge back catalog of, I want to say, like three, two or three years worth of episodes that you get access to right away for $5, Jeremy. Hmm. I mean, you can't get a better deal. $5, what are you going to get? You go to, a, I don't know, Target. What are you going to get for a $5? You're going to get... Um, oh barely anything these days will cost you yeah. just a cold fiver you know uh, uh, a coke maybe a candy bar and that's about it you know can't even buy diapers hey, for your little kids rear end for five dollars no you can't you know what you got to do you got to use that five dollar <laughs> bill as a sort of a makeshift <laughs> diaper <laughs> yeah that's right you gotta hope you just pray you you bore the tiniest baby ever ever made so you can wrap that five dollar bill around it's nice little tookus yeah hey why are razor blades so expensive by the way i was buying razor blades the other day like for for shaving mm. you ever notice how expensive those things are i i haven't bought razor blades in, in a minute are they uh how, what are we talking here i mean we're talking like the worst kind like the kind that you you look at the package and you're like and the price and you're like yeah, I'm definitely going to get cut from these, but they're going to like shave my face at least. Oh, those yeah. ones are like I, I want to say it's like seven dollars for three of them. Ooh, that's way too much. I'd I'd rather grow a big old uh, Howard Hughes beard than than have to pay seven dollars a pop for a for a cheap razor that's going to cut my face, turn me to sh- turn me to shame. No thanks. I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you. So anyway, this Patreon podcast, Jeremy, <laughs> yeah. what, how can someone, uh, what does someone have to do? Who does someone have to talk to you to are get some want, damn bonus episodes? You're going to want to talk to your local Best Buy affiliate. Try to find someone in there who looks like they know what they're doing. They're, you're going to want to request a computer. Now, they're going to have a lot of computers there at the store. Do, do not get spooked by this. Uh those are just those are mere options you know i would go with maybe a mid-tier one not the cheapest computer you can find not the most expensive computer you can find something right in the middle and i i would then purchase that computer on some sort of line of either credit or through funding of your own source i wouldn't necessarily bring Mm. cash to the best buy uh only because to purchase a a computer you're going to be looking at at least, you know, anywhere from 500 to $1,000 for that. So that might be a little bit more cash on hand than you're going to feel comfortable carrying around. But once you buy that computer, you're going to want to keep the receipt because we all know that sometimes, you know, things don't work out the way we want them to right away. So, you know, we, we're going to want to keep our receipts here, people, uh, just in case we have to take this computer back, mm. in case mm. it doesn't work, in case there's some sort of malfeasance or malfunctioning going on with it 
you're gonna want to get back in your car now. This is now this is something that I've I've <laughs> I've told people for years now. Don't leave your car at the Best Buy. Take it home with you. You took yeah. Your you're car gonna to- be pretty excited. You might forget that you drove there. <laughs> right. You might start to just walk home or take the bus. But now you're carrying a, a brand new expensive laptop or tower PC. So you're gonna want to get back in your car and drive back to your house. Now, provided that you have internet, which that's a different whole conversation together. I, I do have a complete course on how to get yourself set up with internet. It is a 12-week course. and uh, But assuming you have internet, you're going to want to plug that computer into some sort of power outlet and uh, and wait for it to boot up. If it's a PC, we're talking two three minutes tops if it's a mac computer maybe even 30 seconds these days these macs Mm. have a lightning fast boot up speed tell me about it of course you're going to want to set up your username on the computer itself this could take a while depending on how used to setting up passwords you are you know i like to keep sort of the same password for everything with little variations but jeremy one two three Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, with an exclamation point, if they require a, a weird <laughs> sort of character in there. Sure. So then once you set up sort of your username and password, you will want to make sure you're online ready via wired or wireless. Mm-hmm. And you're going to want to go to the internet on your computer. This is not uh, this is not um, a, a word processing document. This is not uh, your finder. Um, this is not your calendar. Yeah, if you're in something and you, if you open a program and it wants you to sweep some mines, right? You're in the wrong program. You're in the wrong program. Yeah, if you open up a program and it's a uh, we the music video for Weezer's Buddy Holly, you've <laughs> opened the wrong program. No, this will be Internet Explorer and or Safari on Mac computers. At the top bar, you're going to want to type in www.patreon.com slash supernpc. Oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I was reading off of the wrong training manual here. Hold on. Let me flip back. Okay. Yeah. This guy's I got, got multiple Patreons. I got the Eric and Jeremy one here. Okay. Let me start over. You're going to want to go to Best Buy. You're going to want to find the local Best Buy affiliate closest to you. Now, I would recommend sure. Jeremy, going you know, to... I th- how similar is this part to the <laughs> to the other script? You know what? I can skip a few pages here. Okay, let's go back. Right. Yeah, you're going <laughs> to want to go to your internet browser, type in www.patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy, where you will find at for a meager $5, a far cry, a stone's throw from what you paid for this computer, you will find, I mean, hundreds of hours of me and Eric talking about nonsense. That is correct. Nonsense. We talk about movies, television. We we talk about listicles, random topics. We really, as I like to say, let our hair down on this Patreon. Eric, would you agree that we kind of let our hairs down? Wait, let me check. Yep, my hair's still in a bun. Yeah, because we're doing a main feed show right now, so my hair is high and tight. Yeah ponytail i've got like a a princess leia organa uh Mm -hmm. sort of thing going on Mm -hmm. right now i have sort of which is weird uh, because i'm like mostly bald right (laughs) yeah so it's just a 
chrome dome up top and then two spiral, <laughs> long spiral braids on the side. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I'm kind of doing a memoirs of a geisha thing on top of my head, which is sort of, <laughs> you know, a lot of hair done up in a bun, but sealed with a, uh, with a blade, with a blade for right. vengeance. And um, yeah, I, I think it's a good time over there on the Patreon. It really is. uh it really is a, a, a pretty tight knit family. I would definitely give us a shot. You know, as I like to say, you can always try us out for a month. If you feel like, you know, it sucks and you hate it, you can always just unsubscribe, but I guarantee you won't. And that's yeah, about I, it. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, I think, you know what? I think you can put it in a more succinct way. Uh, sign up for that Patreon. You know, it's just a great way to like explore your uh, explore your inner movie uh, fan watcher, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you can explore your inner movie watcher. Out- outwardly, you hate movies, but in in inside is a is a little movie watcher just waiting to burst out and we kind of uh, foster that kind of safe space at our patreon patreon.com slash eric and jeremy well jeremy the patreon is of course a, a safe space for all of our wonderful patrons but the free show this place is dangerous baby and you know what today we're flying some airplanes we're uh talking about Martin Scorsese's 2004 epic biographical drama film, The Aviator, mm-hmm. from 2004, Jeremy. Have you seen The Aviator before? Yes, I have. Is, it, is this a movie that uh, you had fond memories of? I, I did have fond memories of this, actually. I, I like this movie quite a bit. I think this movie is um, it's, it's actually damn good. And... It it kind of was very nostalgic for me for whatever reason. I, I this is like my senior year of high school. This movie came out. So interesting. Inter- you know, this is my first. Uh, this is my first viewing of the Aviator. Um, oh, but here's yeah. The, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Jeremy. I have seen the ending of the Aviator. <laughs> Probably like twenty five times. Oh, we are. Were you working at the movie theater when this? Came I was out? working at the movie theater, and I was I was an usher, Jeremy. So I was I was my my job as an usher was to wear an oversized tuxedo, <laughs> uh, and walk into movies with a broom and a dustpan like five minutes before they end, and then. As people file out, I, I sweep up the popcorn. So I would see the ending of like every movie. I've seen the ending of every movie that came out in between 2004 and 2005. Uh, and The Aviator is one of them. And it, it was so weird to watch a movie that's like three hours long <laughs> and to just know how it ends. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Granted, it is sort of like a biopic. So it's not like a, you know, it's not like I necessarily went in with the end with with like uh, some twist being spoiled or something. Right. But uh, it was interesting. I, The Aviator is a movie that I've uh, kind of put on the back burner for a while. It's it's just one of those where I've always thought like, yeah, I guess I should probably see that at some point. My thing is I've. As 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 someone for someone who likes movies as much as I do, I 
I don't really care that much about like old Hollywood stuff. That's strange. You know what I mean? Like it, uh, I don't know. It's just never like like Howard Hughes. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Like, I guess I should know more about that. About <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Walt Disney. Like I, I guess I, I should learn about that guy. Or... Yeah, like uh, I don't know. There was a point in my mid twenties where I, I essentially like forced myself to watch a lot of the class. I forced myself to watch like Citizen Kane and yeah. all these movies that like. I sort of felt like a phony at a certain point if I hadn't seen, you know, certain things. But I don't know. The Aviator, and also lengthwise, I was like, well, it's, you know, it's a pretty easy uh, excuse for me to, like, not watch something if it's if it's very long. Yeah. So um, I'm excited to talk about, uh, you know, what your impression was. How, how did you watch this one, by the way? Do you, do you have a uh, Criterion Blu-ray? I don't think this one is on the Criterion, but yeah. it is uh, on HBO. Just free as a bird ah. there. You can go watch it. Yeah. It, and I, uh, uh, which, uh, you know, it, it's just such a huge dice roll, you know, these days, like how, how to watch something. We've had, we have more access than ever. And I, I think I subscribe to almost nearly all of the streaming platforms, you know, I'm a freak like that, but it, it's still sort of like, you know, what am I paying? Like, you know, a hundred dollars a month just to stream things. And then sometimes it won't, stuff won't be on streaming and you're like, but, but I, I pay for, I need it to be. I, 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 what am I going to rent this? How am I going to find, you know, the panic starts to set in, but not with aviator. Aviator was, uh, was easy. You know what I call that, Jeremy? I call that, uh, streaming anxiety. Yeah. I call it. Yeah. It's real, Jeremy. Would you say that we're, uh, while we're more now more connected than ever, we're also more alone than ever? I would say that, and I would also add to it that um, uh, that social media has seemed to connect us, has seemed to have connected us, um, yet somehow driven us farther apart. You know what I call it? I call it, and I don't say this out in public because it's like a little too um, snarky. Sure, you know. I don't want people to think I'm like a wiseacre. Right. But uh, I sometimes, when I'm alone in my apartment, I will chuckle and call it anti-social media. <laughs> I might have to delete that. that yeah, yeah. You might have to cut that out because, yeah, that's a little snarky. That's a, that That's totally just off from kind of what we do here on the show, which is just very uh, sort of straight-laced, good boy dapper dan stuff you know so uh the aviator jeremy this came out in 04 we got uh scorsese's directing it this is the second leo uh scorsese film yeah second is a coincidence third will prove the rule so you know at this point you know, you're probably looking at Scorsese and you're thinking, oh, wow, he's working with Leonardo DiCaprio again. Interesting. You know, I wonder kind of, I wonder, I wonder what happened. I, I, they must have just really enjoyed each other's company on uh, Gangs of New York. Well, turns out they're formulating quite a bit of a partnership around this time that will last for well, well over a decade. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, almost on the level of an Eric and Jeremy partnership. Liter- yeah, almost. Not 
quite. They, you know, I, yeah. If Scorsese and Leo ever sit down to talk about the baby, <laughs> maybe they'll be somewhere in our ballpark of friendship. Is Leo, does Leo do a voice in Hugo? Doesn't look like he does. Oh, no, I don't. He, he might no, not. No. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, there, yeah, definitely. Does Hugo come out? Uh, that comes out in the middle of his between Shutter Island and uh, Wolf of Wall Wolf Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, man, we got some good ones coming up. The Departed, Shutter Island. Yeah, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, this is sort of my like. I guess you could call it my second favorite sort of era, like the De Niro era. I really love that that run of films, but then. Um, but then, yeah, this is really good. It seems like once Scorsese really connects with an actor, he does some of his best stuff, which is pretty fun. Yeah, it's interesting how he, uh, looking at his filmography, like, you can kind of, you can be in the mood for almost anything and pick something from Scorsese's filmography at this point. Like, yeah. I'm in the mood for, like, uh, you know, something old, you know, like an old, like, funny movie watch you know the kings of comedy king of comedy or something right As, I, I mean i'm classifying 1982 as being old but that's pretty um, old at this point 40 years old yeah i'm feeling like a family film turn on hugo you know uh we got kate uh kate blanchett playing katherine hepburn that's right um we got some like so speaking of old hollywood you know i don't know if you recognize a lot of these names uh eric but like ava gardner you know jack jack fry errol flynn you recognize any of these these names spencer tracy they're names that i recognize but i don't know why i recognize them gotcha gotcha yeah yeah they're they're just old time hollywood people you know uh kate beckinsale plays ava gardner in this um, you know, Alan Alda plays uh Senator Ralph Owen Brewster. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's definitely like this is this is doing two things, right? It's like both a kind of a neat little biopic done in a Scorsese way, which I gotta say, I, I actually like Scorsese's biopics. Like I don't typically like biopics, but um, I think um, he's done two, right? At this point, uh, Raging Bull and this are the two biopics. And I think so. Yeah. Yeah, like that are based on actual real people. One. Oh, I guess I guess you could say uh, Kundun. Yeah, Kundun, and then I guess um, maybe uh, Goodfellas and and Casino, but those don't seem like biopics as much as they are just stories from those people's yeah. lives. Although Henry right. Hill, it's kind of about his whole life. Anyway, so um, so yeah, I, I just like I like the way Scorsese, Scorsese treats them like more of a story than he does. You know what I mean? Like he yeah, kind of I appreciate that because yeah. I gotta say I'm not a huge. That's another thing that prevented me from like really watch watching this movie is I'm not a huge biopic person either. Um, like I I just don't care like. I don't care about anybody. Like it doesn't matter who it is. I don't care about like what their f- the first fifteen years of their life was like. I just mm-hmm. don't care. Like and and I think that as far as movies go, the structure that I'm looking for in a movie uh, to be like entertained, you know, is not the same struct. Is not like the structure that a normal human life. 
goes through. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, like we kind of are born and we learn to be alive and then yeah. the good stuff happens. And then we start to like deteriorate <laughs> and it, things get kind of like boring and depressing. And I think you're right. I think Scorsese does these biopics in a way that that, that is a little bit more, uh, I don't know if digestible is the word, right word, but just a little bit more like thoughtful to the fact that it's he, he's making a film rather than just like writing a biography. It feels like there's a story here, like that beyond yeah. just yes. the person's life events, like, you know... And for whatever that's worth so I, I don't I and uh so yeah anyways this is a film that's kind of doing both it's like hey we're this biopic but also this is like porn for people who like old Hollywood you, you're getting a lot of new <laughs> yeah performers and actors playing these old performers and actors uh one of whom Kate Blanchett like you said wins an Academy Award for playing Katherine Hepburn um she's so damn good at it and I got to admit, she is lightning. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go through some of this uh, trivia, show. Trivia is good. Um, Scorsese this. claims that he paid 500,000 smackers of his own money to cover over-budget expenses. Yeah. I wonder how often he's done that. Or how Sense. often that needs to be done. You know, you hear stories like that yeah. every so often, like Keanu Reeves paid all of the VFX people's salaries on the Matrix, you know, stuff like that. Um, I paid all of Jeremy's <laughs> uh, salaries for That's 2021. Right. That is correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, you still haven't said thank you for that. Yeah, I'm still working it up, the courage to, to thank you for it. <laughs> So I'm reading this uh, this this piece of trivia that says Leo spent a day with Jane Russell to hear her memories and impressions of Howard Hughes. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was very impressed with DiCaprio's visit and told him that Hughes was a quiet yet extremely stubborn man who always uh, got his way in the end. What do you think of? Uh, have you ever heard Howard Hughes talk? Uh, not 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 really. Uh, he sounds Me just neither. like an old timey. I think he sounds like an old timey guy. <laughs> I couldn't get out of my head how similar Leo's uh, vocal uh, um, impression of Howard Hughes sounds like Dana Carvey doing George Bush Sr. <laughs> not going to do it. Not going to do it. Not going to you know? do it. Not going to do it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Got kind of that like that like nasally, right. old-timey nasally. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good, yeah. Yeah, this is still, I would still consider this performance, I think this is DiCaprio doing a really good job, but I still think it's weird. It's like a weird thing of like, he just gets better and better. Like, to me, this performance is better than the one he gives in Gangs of New York, and then The Departed, I think, is even a little better than this. Like, he just gets better and better, but he's still, like, I, I don't know how else to say it, but he's sometimes when in this movie i forget i i like i it takes me out of the movie like he, him he himself takes me out of the movie i, I get know. that do, do you get that kind of yeah 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 for sure not, a, he's any, not bad it's just he's i'm like he's just not convincing enough or something 
who was I watching? Uh, I I can't remember what movie it was, but George Clooney was in it, and I just the whole time was I, I think. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, so I'll save this mm. for for next uh, okay, the next episode. The next but episode. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, first movie by Scorsese to gross over a hundred million. Um, Scorsese requested Kate Blanchett watch the first fifteen movies of Catherine Hepburn to learn her mannerisms and po- poise. Yeah. Um, How about this one, Eric? I got a good one. Howard Hughes and Ava Gardner once had a physical fight in the office of Louis B. Mayer. During the brawl, he dislocated her jaw and she hit him over the head with a large glass ashtray. resulting in blood on the wall and furniture determined to avoid negative press mayor called in his minions to hustle Gardner away and clean up the mess as quickly as possible hughes later asked her to marry him (laughs) (laughs) wow what'd she say i'm guessing she said no much like she did in the movie um yeah also jane lynch uh, played Amelia Earhart in this movie, but her scenes were cut out. Interesting. Yeah. You know, Jane Lynch, I love uh, Adam Scott in this right. movie, by the yeah. way. Mm-hmm. I just so happened to have uh, rewatched all of Party Down. Oh, and, that's, a, uh, that's a classic show. It's so good, man. I mean, season one, season two has its moments, but it's, uh, yeah, it's great. But um, let's see. Gwen Stefani was 34 years old at the time she played Jean Harlow, who was only 19 at the time. Mm. Um, I kind of don't care about that stuff anymore. You know what I mean? Like it's it's so. Uh, uh, I feel like I feel like we talk about it too much when like a 40 year old is playing a teenager or something. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. sometimes it's funny when it's just like so obviously the person is way too old. Right. But I don't know. It's not I kind of like, don't care anymore. It's not like young people have it harder than older people in Hollywood. You <laughs> right, know, like they're, right. they're not having a tough time getting roles as much as 40 year old, 30 or 40 year old women are. So yeah, I, I don't really care about it either. I do sort of think it's like just bad taste to cast like a love interest that is so age inappropriate, you know, like 19 year old girl, 45 year old man. Like to me, that's yeah. a little tasteless, uh, it's, you know, and that's rampant in like the old Hollywood model. Um, but yeah, I agree. This podcast you know that- does not care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk to the hand. Yeah. Says Eric and Jeremy. Uh, Michael Mann was originally going to direct this film. Do you know right. that, Jeremy? I did the know man that. Yeah. Himself the man himself. The man. But he, but having directed back to back biopics, The Insider and Ollie, uh, he decided to produce instead and offer the script to Marty Scorsese. Yep. What a nice guy. Michael Mann, by the way, is another director. We should look at for the future, covering his stuff. I think he's he's pretty great, pretty worth covering. A lot of puns, a lot of pun potential for that title. Yeah, man. Oh yeah, yeah. She's yeah. the man. <laughs> She's the man. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 
Talk to the man. Talk to the man. Um, bu- 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 we could probably jump Nicole into it, Kidman. I think, or no? Yeah, we could probably yeah. jump into yeah, well, it. Well, but, no, you uh, got to tell. What we got to figure you got, out. Is you got to know that Nicole Kidman yeah. was almost <laughs> considered was also considered for the role of Catherine Hepburn. All right, uh, now we can talk about the uh, <laughs> the plot, Jeremy. <laughs> okay, perfect. All right. During 1913 in Houston. As eight-year-old Howard Hughes' mother gives him a bath and teaches him how to spell quarantine, uh, she warns him about the recent cholera outbreak in Houston. You are not safe. Fourteen years later, in 1927, he begins to direct his film Hell's Angels and hires Noah Dietrich to manage the day-to-day operations of his business empire. Uh, Noah Dietrich is played by uh, John C. Riley. Yes, who is outstanding in this movie. Very good. And he was also in Gangs of New York, right? He, he was, but in Gangs, I feel like he doesn't get a lot to do in that. He, his, yeah. his character is, doesn't speak a lot and is dead pretty quickly. Uh, but in this... Um, yeah, no, this character dies way, way later. Way, way later. Like some might even say after the movie's over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, after the release of The Jazz Singer, the first uh, partially ta- talking film, Hughes becomes obsessed with shooting his film realistically and decides to convert the movie to a sound film. So this is sort of like an ongoing uh, problem that I have with this movie. And I will say, I, overall, I, kinda, I like this movie. And I sort of like... Um, I went into it knowing that it's sort of a biopic and uh, expecting um, that kind of format. I don't really understand. I mean, the movie is called The Aviator, right? Correct. And Howard Hughes has this, uh, you know, obsession with aeroplanes. We don't really like learn why that is. Oh yeah, it's like just cut to he's into it. He's yeah. doing it. Yeah, right. And I yeah. guess, like, I don't know. It's just there's something about... Maybe it's because the movie is called The Aviator. It just seemed to me like there would be more of a... It, 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 the, the, the airplane stuff almost seems unimportant. Like, I would have maybe watched... I probably would have watched this movie anyway if there wasn't any of the airplane stuff. And it was just about this, like, weird Holly, old Hollywood guy's, like story throughout the you know his his filmmaking career yeah i mean i really think they wanted to tell the story of the spruce goose like that was the big yeah I that suppose. that was that i like not like i like you're right i do think like maybe i f- i think i find the character he's playing more interesting than the things he's doing um, but it, you know, the movie just, it's like called the aviator and it's like so much, you could tell what Scorsese and company was really interested in was also like his big filmic achievements, which I think to people who are Scorsese's age is really fucking cool, you know? Right. But I also did find myself having like, okay, yep, I get it. Old, old movies they were made different you know I, I you know i just going along to get along with some of this stuff i don't i don't even know if i called it a pro i would call it a problem but it, it's definitely not as compelling to me as 
Maybe if this was, maybe if he was just like a, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But it is like about building. It's like weird. It's like about making movies, building airplanes and dating actresses and being OCD. (laughs) Like that, like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, there's a lot going on with him and you're right. I don't think like, you know, you read that first sentence, which is sort of the beginning of the movie, you know, where, where the cholera outbreak is happening in, in Houston that's a, that's all the only backstory we really get, and that's supposed to be the, I guess, catalyst for the OCD, right? Yes. Some of the portrayal of OCD throughout this movie, like when he's washing his hands so be- so so aggressively that they, you know, bleed, and then he, uh, it's it's sort of played as like a comical seat moment where he. Uh, you know, aggressively is washing his hands and then he realizes, oh shit, I have to open this door, like disgusting doorknob to get out of the bathroom and he waits. Right. I mean, some of that, so, some of it is, I don't know, pretty accurate and, and I don't know. Oh, I'm sure, you know, I, I never doubted for a second watching this movie, the authenticity of it, you know? Yeah. Like I just was kind of like, "Oh yeah, man, I bet it's this seems this seems right." And and from what I already knew going in about Howard Hughes, like even back in the day when I watched this, I was kind of like, "Yeah, oh yeah, this is this yeah, people get like this, you know, collecting their pee in jars and other other, you know, other uh sort of just psychopathy that can come with unchecked um, extreme cases, fringe cases of OCD. The thing too that was so crazy about Howard Hughes is that he was so stinking filthy rich. Oh, you know, yeah. like and that and that's you know, we talk about the rich a lot these days. Like you know, yes, I hate the rich. The rich suck. The rich are terrible. But you know, like the rich are also like these people who get a get to get away with being this way. You know, if I if I started collecting my PN jars, like. They call the cops on me, right? You know what I mean? Like I'd be, I'd be, uh, I'd be hoisted from my place. But because he's so rich, he's able to kind of just live as a recluse, and yeah, it's it's sort of like a um, worst case scenario here. Yeah, for this guy. Uh, despite the film being a hit, Hughes remains unsatisfied with the end result and orders the film to be recut after its Hollywood premiere. Uh, he becomes romantically involved with actress Catherine Hepburn, who helps to ease the symptoms of his worsening OCD. Uh, in 1935, Hughes test flies the H1 racer, uh, pushing it to a new speed record despite having to crash land it into a beet field when the aircraft runs out of fuel. Now, Jeremy, I thought that it was a little crazy for them to have Dwight Schrute... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hanging out in that beet field when they crash the plane. I don't know about you. Yes, I felt the exact I felt the exact same way. I was just like, "Excuse me. Uh what year is it? The the office won't even be out for another year. Interesting. Interesting. You want yeah, me to believe Lake that? Shrew wasn't even born yet. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Interesting. 3 yeah. years later he breaks the world record by flying around the world in 4 days. Uh he subsequently reaches majority interest in transcontinental and western air uh TWA. One trip company rival and chairman of Pan America World Airways 
uh, gets his crony Senator Owen Brewster to introduce the community airline bill, which would give Pan Am executive uh, exclusively exclusivity on international air travel. Hmm. Who's the guy? Who am I? Who who plays the uh, who plays one trip again? Or no, Bernstein uh, Brewster. Who plays Brewster? Yes, I Mr. Alan. Was Alda. that Alan Alan Alda? Yeah. yeah, I thought Alan Alda was really good. Oh yeah, I think he was also nominated for an Academy Award. You know, Alan Alda from the great uh, from the great uh, uh, Mash television show. Mm. Yeah, really good. Really great actor. Um, freaking love that guy, Mr. Alan Alda. You know, they have every season of MASH at my library Dude. nearby. Dude. And uh, I've been thinking about getting into it. Dude, you've got to. Get All into right. it. Maybe I will. After I'm finished with Elf. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, I've been watching Elf. Yeah, finish Elf. Hughes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got to know if he ever eats a cat, you know? Well, he might. <laughs> he might. He definitely wants to. Hughes quickly finds a new love interest with 15-year-old Faith Do- Domergu. And I definitely said that wrong. Uh, and later, actress Ava Gardner. However, he still has feelings for Hepburn and bribes a reporter to keep reports about her and the married Tracy out of the press. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, the, in the mid-1940s, Hughes contracts uh, two projects with the Army Air Forces, uh, one for a spy aircraft and another for a troop transport unit for use in World War II. In 1947, with the H-4 Hercules flying boat still in construction, Hughes finishes the XF-11 reconnaissance aircraft and takes it for a test flight. Uh, However, one of the engines uh, fails mid-flight, and the aircraft crashes in Beverly Hills with Hughes getting severely injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, this the is Army crazy. Cancels, yeah. The Army cancels its order for the H-4 Hercules, although Hughes still continues uh, the development with his own money. Dietrich informs Hughes that he must choose between funding the airlines or flying his boat. Uh, Hughes orders Dietrich to mortgage the TWA assets so he can continue the development. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of this um Wikipedia article is is sort of the worst of this movie. Um Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's like uh the facts and the and the boring sort of details of the plot without like the great scenes we get between you know, Cap, you know, Kate Blanchett and Leo or Ava Gardner and Leo, you know, um and a lot of a lot what's getting cut out is like his slow mental decline too yes. which which it starts kind of bad but then gets worse and worse as the movie goes on um yeah did so what's your feeling about leo's performance sort of throughout this film are you engaged with it are you it took me a while to warm up to it i got to say it took me a while to like i i really did think that the I had nothing to like judge how accurate the accent was. Right. <laughs> um, You're just trusting. Based on, based on like how, you know, yeah, yeah, accuracy, but it 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 did take me a while. I will say it took me a while to sort of get into his character. I will say by the end, like when he's holed up and, you know, peeing in jars and stuff, 
mm-hmm. I was super captivated by his performance. But I I would be lying if I said I you know he 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 drew me in right away. It took it took a while. What about you? Yeah, you know I I'm 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 buckled in. I'm pretty much ready to go. You know the whole way. I'm I'm with it. I'm just less and less sort of. You know, I, I, again, I think this, I think this whole movie just sort sort of, uh, what am I trying to say? It, I'm glad Kate Blanchett's here. That's what I'll say. I'm glad like actors yeah. like Kate Blanchett and John C. Riley are here to kind of offset him because, uh, and it, I felt the same way in gangs where it's like, oh, thank God, uh, Daniel Day Lewis is here, you know, something else for me to kind of sink, you know, chew on, um, it's sort of strange. It's like it's like I wish Leo could just stand up to some of these other players a little bit better. Uh, I know he has a lot going on in this movie and a lot on his show, writing on him as the star, but I'm still right. sort of like you know, uh, I I do I will say I do love when he's in full sort of um in his full OCD state. Like all those moments are really powerful to me. I think he does a good job with those. What do you um, think of the idea? Because you know this movie won a bunch of awards, uh, right? What do you think of the idea of like movies being Oscar bait? And the idea of like making films. Not that I, I'm not saying that that is why this movie exists necessarily, right? But what do you think of that? Like the idea of like making movies with the intention of winning awards. Uh, yeah, I, it, it's really complicated, you know, as somebody who's an aspiring filmmaker myself, you know, like there's two, it seems like in, in Hollywood filmmaking anyway, and maybe even worldwide, there are two different kinds of, of things that you can aim for as a filmmaker and an artist. One is box office and the other is awards. So if you're right. not playing to either of those, then you're David Lynch and, you you might and you know that's and that's a and that's a really cool path as well but it doesn't come with any kind of reassurance (laughs) like you know you might go year if you're not if you're not trying to do films to get either awards or box office then you will then it's a kind of a lonely path and i don't know everything about scorsese and what his he's thinking when he's picking projects i don't know if he picked this project thinking you know he was going to win an award for it um, or trying to win an award, but you know, it's definitely he's de- it's definitely not box office is what he's going for here. So, yeah. um, so maybe it is award stuff. But you know, Scorsese, it, he's no stranger to the Oscars at this point. He's also has a thirty year career at this point as well. So he's he's used to his films always being in the Oscars, no matter what. So I I do think he really did like this project. But what do you think about uh Oscar bait? I don't really mind it. I don't know. Like I, I people people kind of like to hate on the Oscars cuz I mean it's like a thing where you know the Academy Awards like any there I I will say that like pretty much every year like the 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 movie that I wanted to win best picture or the actor or actress I wanted to win you know best actor or actress um, never didn't win mm-hmm. like my you know the the things that I like best didn't win but they were there you know they were right. pre, pretty often they were like nominated at least um, 
I don't, but, but I will say that like a lot of times, a lot of those films and a lot of those performances are really good. Sure. Yeah. Like, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to, um, think of that as being like a goal for your movie or something. I really don't. Cause yeah. I don't know. I think there's like a lot of good movies that win Oscars. I think I, I really don't think there's a, a, very many movies except for maybe like crash or something <laughs> movies that have like what actually won best picture that I would consider to be like not a very good movie. Yeah. There's, there's, there's definitely movies that when they win, you kind of roll your eyes a little bit like crash oh, was yeah. one. And yeah. uh, I think like Shakespeare in love and English patient, like, you know, these, these, some of these films where you're like, they're kind of toothless. They're not really, <laughs> they're not really that good, but they're, re- they're austere or something. And that's why they win. Yeah. It's, it's a kind of all over the map. I personally like the Oscars a lot. I know that's kind yeah, of a controversial too. opinion, but I do like it. I like watching it. I do find it to be really fun. And I do think, um, and just like every award show, like we, we give the Oscars a lot of crap, but every award, um, Every like big film award, uh, you know what? What? What do you call it? Like an award uh, avenue, like like Cannes or Venice or uh, Sundance. They all have their like voice. They're like they're like their types of films that will win. You know what I mean? Like, like, like. Yes, the Oscars has like period dramas. <laughs> that seems to be like. <laughs> What 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 will get you a shortcut to Oscars? But Cannes is like there theirs is like if your film is like really really challenging and controversial, a lot of times it'll be, you know, the, 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 those types of films will win the Palme d'Or. Like Wild at Heart by Lynch won the Palme d'Or. Yeah. <laughs> like like so you know it's just it kind of it's like it's like the audience you're playing to you know I'm more of a Cannes man myself. I I really like that film festival because it. Um, it awards freaks and psychos. Um, and that's the kind of vibe I like. Uh, uh, I like, I don't like Sundance as much because it's a little bit more, you know, it feels like slower, more boring dramas will win Sundance stuff a lot. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, it, it, you gotta just kind of find the festival you really, really like. And, and then, you know, if the Oscars don't really do it for you, that's fine. But as in the West, you know, the Oscars are like, you know they're, they're a pageant if nothing else they're, they're drama itself you know the the oscars themselves are drama <laughs> oh yeah. yeah did you see that slap by the way <laughs> yes yes i did uh, as his ocd worsens uh hughes becomes increasingly paranoid planting microphones and tapping gardner's phone lines to keep track of her until she kicks him out of her house <laughs> I'd do the, the same thing, by the way. If someone was tapping my phone, I think I'd kick them out. Yeah, I'd probably do that too. Um, I, I, I'd ask them nicely to leave. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. The FBI searches his home for incriminating evidence of war profiteering, uh, searching his possessions, and to his horror, tracking dirt through his house. Brewster privately offers to drop the charges if Hughes sells TWA to Trip. But Hughes refuses. Hughes's OCD symptoms become extreme, and he retreats into an isolated germ-free zone for three months. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Trip and Brewster summon him for a Senate investigation, uh, certain that Hughes will not show up. Gardner visits him and personally grooms and dresses him in preparation for the hearing. I kind of like this scene, by the way. Yeah. When he, like, lets her in. Yeah, uh, you know, we talk a lot about Kate Blanchett. She won the Oscar. She's really good in the movie. But uh, Kate Beckinsale, don't sleep on Kate Beckinsale. I'll tell you that. She's really good in this. And she's in it, I feel like, maybe even more. <laughs> um, he asks her to marry him, and she just laughs and says that he is too crazy for her. Plus, you broke my jaw. <laughs> yeah. Should have been the dialogue. <laughs> Uh, an invigorated Hughes defends himself against Brewster's charges and accuses the senator of taking bribes from Trip. Hughes concludes by announcing uh, that he has committed to completing the H-4 aircraft and that he will leave the country if he cannot get it to fly. Uh, Brewster's bill is promptly defeated. After successfully flying the aircraft, Hughes speaks with Dietrich and his, en- his engineer, Glenn Odenkirk about a new jetliner for TWA. Hmm. Uh, however, he begins hallucinating men in germ-resistant suits and has a panic attack. So that was a hallucination, huh? Yeah. Didn't realize that. Right. Um, as Odenkirk hides him in a restroom while Dietrich fetches a doctor, Hughes begins to have flashbacks of his childhood, uh, his love for aviation, and his ambition for success. Uh, compulsively repeating the phrase, the way of the future. Mm. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah. These Sometimes these Wikipedia articles don't really, again, they uh, hit to echo it. You know, this is the show. You know, we we need, we unless we're going to write our own complete outlines of the films. Absolutely which, not. Which, which may, <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> maybe we should start maybe just taking notes and instead just going... I'm using this as more of a guide because we didn't get to talk we did about do that with the the Chucky movies. I think when we first started, we, we were did doing that. we we put a little bit more care into it just because we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, now now that we realize how much work that was, you know, we use Wikipedia as a guide because it's it's very helpful and usually it does a really good job of like getting us into the conversation about the movie. Mm. But we didn't get to talk about Alec Baldwin. We didn't talk about Jude Law. We didn't talk about Willem Dafoe. <laughs> we didn't talk... Like, there's so many people in this movie and they all give really great performances. And um, instead... And, and we didn't talk about the Spruce Goose. We didn't talk about the, you know... Uh, it, 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 it's, it's kind of a shame sometimes. But it, it, suffice it to say, you know, like, The Aviator is also, again, um, almost three hours long it is a 170 minute film it is a million years long and it would have been tough i think to get all that stuff in conversation anyway for one for one episode on it um i actually like i'm not a huge alec baldwin fan uh i did like him in this movie i thought he was really good yeah he's really good in this and he's really good in the departed as well the next oh yes um we'll, we'll cover of scorsese's but yeah, that's the aviator. I guess we got to rank this thing, eh, pal? Yeah, and you know what? Since we've been doing it for all the other movies, why don't we do it out of four Chucky freckles? I figured we wouldn't change it for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, you know, you never know. <laughs>
so what would you, how many of those uh, cute little fre- freckles would you give the aviator? I'm how many cute little Chucky freckles would you paint on Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio's face? That's a good question. Um, I think I'm going to give it a 2.75. Um, so this gets the Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore score. This mm. gets the Color of Money score. I like this movie as much as I like those movies. Um, Are you talking about green? Oh, yeah. Green. <laughs> yeah. Famously, my pitch to rename the color of money to green. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I uh, you know, what would bump this up to a three for me, I think is honestly, if it was trimmed, I think if the length of it was just a little yeah. shorter, because I think it, I had more time in a longer movie to realize what I didn't love about parts of it. Um, right. So I, uh, so yeah, I, I, um, I give it. I'm giving it a, a 2.75. I gave um, 50 First Dates a 2.5, and I gave Gangs in New York a 2.25. Uh, I like this film a whole point five better than Gangs in New York, and I have a feeling. I bet you anything, although don't hold me to it. But I bet you anything, uh, Departed gets a 3.25, which would be a whole point mm. five above Aviator, meaning that Leo's sort of performances are growing on me at that rate. Got it. Um, that's that is my that is going to be my suspicion here on on these. But what what do you think? What what do you rate in Aviator? Well, I'm looking at sort of my past ratings of Scorsese movies, and uh, you know, we mentioned Kundun was a bit of a biopic. I gave Kundun a two out of four. I find this movie more entertaining than Kundun. I will say that. Right. And um, let's see here. Uh, we had two guests on our Spanglish episode and we all gave that movie a one out of four. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't give it lower than a one. I tried, but, they, you know, yeah, it is what it is. Um, I don't think we're going to end up giving a one to any Scorsese's. Or did we for Boxcar Bertha? I gave Boxcar Bertha a one. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. I forgot that I lost, like, a bunch of my ratings. Oh, that's right. Back. Yeah, I'll I I, go back and I almost guarantee stuff. you you gave it a one. Yeah. Um, the Aviator. I'm gonna give it. I don't know. This seems. I I guess this seems like worse than it is. But I I do I do like this movie. It's just. Uh, I don't know. You know what? I'm gonna rate this movie based on like how good I think it is as a movie, and not so much on like whether or not it's a movie that's in more in my wheelhouse. So I'm going to give this a 2.5. Okay. I think it's pretty solid. That's a good score. Two but I don't think it's score. like outstanding, you know? Uh, yeah, no, I don't. I mean, yeah, it's, that's a good score. That's uh, yeah. that's a good, that's a good enough score. I don't think there's uh, anything wrong with a good old 2.5, you know? Once you get into the threes, you're really in the upper echelon. You're in an upper tier. You know, you're that's that's like the wedding singer tier. You know, that's right. uh that's Hubie Halloween territory you're in now. Oh yeah, I mean Hubie Halloween. We're talking fours, baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's bringing out the dead scores there, pal. You know, uh, oh, yeah. nothing wrong though with being in the two point uh, two point. Uh, what do you say? Two point five. Two point five. You know, I gave. Uh, I gave New York, New York a 2.5. So, 
I give well, the water go. boy a 2.5. Ain't n- nothing wrong with the I water mean, boy. I mean, that's crazy. What did I I feel like I gave the water boy like a 4 or something. No, 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 no. You definitely did not. You gave it like <laughs> probably higher than a 2.5, but probably not by much. I think the yeah. only times that you've given things way higher was uh I think you might have given Happy Gilmore a 4 also. And I gave that one a 3. Got it. Uh I'm trying to think of other ones. Oh, bulletproof! Uh, you gave a four. Oh, you know, right, Marlon uh, Wayans. I forgot movie. about. I forgot about my favorite, <laughs> <laughs> my favorite movie of all yeah. time, Bulletproof. Yeah, you gave Bulletproof with uh, Adam Sandler and uh, is it Marlon Wayans or Damon Wayans? It might be Damon. I Wayans. think it's uh, Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> um. So next episode, I'm trying to look this up here. We did. It's going to be Chuck and Larry last. So yes, it's going to be. Don't mess with the Zohan. Yes, <laughs> I'm. I'm looking forward to this one, man. This is a. Hey. This is a. I don't think I've ever seen this. To be honest with you, nor I. But it looks silly as hell. It does look silly. Yeah. He's wearing jean shorts, doing the splits on the cover. <laughs> shorts and splits. Boy, oh boy, I'm. Uh, I'm in, baby. Jorts and splits. Folks, thanks for listening. Go to patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy for all your bonus content needs. I'm telling you, that hair is, is my, my bun's getting tight. I'm about to freaking let this hair fly mm. freely. Mm. All four feet of it just draped down my back <laughs> for the whole episode Four while we feet. talk about oh brother we're out there we're we're out we're out there we're oh, out brother, there we're are thou uh so patreon.com slash eric and jeremy it's a it's a great time jeremy always a great time podding with you of course and norma i'll see you in my dreams mm-hmm.